Our world is changing rapidly. Many crucial systems we depend upon are collapsing. And the most important system that is failing is the food supply. Mr. President, this council is more than aware of the multiple challenges and threats the world is facing today. But the threat of famine, people starving slowly to death, must be a red line. You know, these food prices are going to keep going up and up, and they're going to keep feeding excuse after excuse, narrative after narrative. Yeah, where so you're going to have, have to get off that treadmill and start getting more autonomous with your own food growing. You want to make sure that you can eat, because frankly, food is the biggest issue as we are going through these transitions. But amidst the chaos, there is a path to resilience. Marjorie Wildcraft is the female leader of the survival and preparedness movement. Marjorie has taught millions of people how to grow an abundance of food in a grid-down situation even if you have no experience, are older, or out of shape. I've spent decades finding the fastest, easiest, and funnest ways for the average person to be able to grow a lot of food. I've created a step-by-step -step process that's so simple that even kids to elders have been using it in order to grow a lot of their own food. And you can too, even if you have no experience, you're older or you're out of shape. Growing your Hi everybody, I'm Christine Dolan and this is American Conversations. And I am absolutely thrilled and delighted today to have Marjorie Wildcraft join us. She is a survivalist. She has been, in, she taught herself how to grow her own food. Uh, across Texas, Colorado, and other parts of the United States. She's now in um, Puerto Rico. And if there isn't ever a time to listen to somebody who's, who's survived and grown her own food, it is Marjorie Wildcraft. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Christine. Yeah, we are, uh, we are living through some really, really interesting times. And um, I think by the time people get done with this show, they will realize they need to go and do some backyard food production immediately. It's well, we are. We are. We've got conflicts. We have, you know, some shipping straits that are getting blown up. Um, mm -hmm. We've got some weather issues from hurricanes with the oranges uh, in Florida to, you know, beef uh, because the, the price is so high for the feed. Orange juice is going to be going up. Um, so it's not just the half and half. I mean, we've got inflation, wars, conflict, climate issues all over the place. So, um, do you have do you have something in the background here? I do. I apologize. I live in Puerto Rico, and this place is noisy. <laughs> so okay. uh, we'll just we'll just deal with it. Uh, we'll just deal with it. So, anyways, Marjorie, first of all, how did you get into this? I mean, this you, twenty years you've been doing this. It's like living off the grid, and 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 I understand that you can tell people if they're living in a city, living in a rural area, living in suburbia, how to start this and for their own food, because prices are, they're out of control. There's not, there's, and it's, you know, they're not, it's not just, it's bad in the United States, but it's even worse in places like Argentina too. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend this morning. We have a little meetup at the bookstore on Sunday mornings. And he was like, you know, I'm, I'm uh, been going through all my expenses because the things just aren't adding up anymore. And he says, and I got, yeah, I got rid of Netflix. I got rid of Spotify. I got rid of Prime. I got rid of, and he said, and I'm looking at it and it's all food that's gone up. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> buckle up. It hasn't even started getting into the price increases that we're about to see. So, well, yeah, it's happening. True. It's true. I, I remember in the last three years when COVID started, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a coffee drinker, so I, I buy half and half, and I just kept on seeing it going up, and I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy, and then all of a sudden, we're doing reports on eggs, you know, and then yeah. I'm, meeting, I'm meeting people, you know, 
that are in her cattle ranchers. And it just, it's, it's one, you know, this, this is a country where, yes, we survived the, the world depression back in the twenties and thirties. But at the same time, I don't think this generation that is born living today is prepared for food shortages at all. And, no. and, and now it, it, it would become so codependent on our governments that we have to really take control for the resiliency and you know, self-sufficiency. So Marjorie, was, tell, us, yeah. tell us how to do this. Okay, well, I'll give you a little of my background because like, I did sure. not grow up in some kind of hippie commune or, you know, farmer family or anything. I, we, we never grew food. My, my, my mom was a photographer, my dad an artist. You know, I was living in a, we grew up in a suburb of North Miami, Florida, right? You know, um, we had some mango trees in the backyard, but I mostly looked at that as a place to climb, not food, you know? Um, my first degree is in electrical engineering and I went overseas. I was living in Asia as an expat for Motorola. And uh, I, I, my family was pretty poor when, when I was growing up. I mean, you know, family of an artist, right? Uh, and I was always interested in money and, and some friends of mine said, hey, there's this, this guy named Robert has this class on wealth. I said, well, what do you, who is he? And they, you know, we don't know. And I said, well, I'll go anyway, why not? You know, And that just blew my mind so much that I ultimately left engineering and moved to Austin, Texas and started a real estate investment business that was so successful that Robert said, hey, would you be a testimonial on some of my infomercials? And that's how I was on national television for four years with Robert Kiyosaki selling Rich Dad, Poor Dad products. Right. So um, what that, you know, I mean, we, I was having a ball making all these deals and, you know, making tons of money. And I was volunteering on a project that I had no idea that this, it was so innocent. And I had no idea my life was going to absolutely and completely and utterly change. And this project was a complete failure. And what it was, was we were going to get locally grown food, you know, organic farmer stuff into an elementary school. And then we were going to replicate that across the state of Texas. And it was a complete failure because, and this is outside of Austin, which is a pretty progressive area, but it was a failure because there were not enough organic farmers to provide even part of the vegetables for one small rural elementary school and wow. we were in the community center i'll never forget i mean i was the one who would organize it i couldn't i had a hard time i was shaking so much because i knew there's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores there's no big inventories or warehouses of food anywhere that that's you know that, that food comes just in time trucking via 1500 miles pretty much no matter where you live in the united states and i was surrounded at that time texas has grown a lot since by 20 million Texans who were armed to the teeth. And I had small kids and it dawned on, it, it, I realized that there were scenarios where no amount of money, no amount of gold, no amount of silver was gonna get you food. Um, what year was this? This was uh, 2003. Okay. And I just, I could not stop shaking. I, and for years afterwards, I had panic attacks. I had two small kids, you know, like what, what would I do? If, if we didn't have enough food and I couldn't feed my kids, you know, I had panic attacks and I just, I sold the real estate investment business. And uh, I just started taking every class I could, reading every book I could, interviewing people, working on farms, you know, learning how to grow food. And especially food when the grid is down, when there are no resources, when the stores are all closed, like how do you do it under dire circumstances? And I had, I, I, I apologize for the noise. It's a, uh, 
but this again, this is Puerto Rico. Um, I put up with the in-laws and, and, and some of the friends who were like, oh, my, my one, my one uh, sister-in-law, a lovely woman, but she was like, Marjorie, this is America. This is the United States of America. We are never going to see empty shelves in our grocery stores. We're never going to have supply chain problems. You oh, know? wow. Wow. Okay. So I that's know, the hope. Right? That's the blissful hope. Right. So, you know, I put mm -hmm. up with that for years and people calling me a nut and calling me crazy. But I said, but you know what? I'm growing this incredibly beautiful and delicious food. I'm getting healthier. I'm getting younger. You know, my family's, my kids are athletes and doing really well. You know, I mean, it's such a holistic lifestyle. I just loved it. And then I, I'm not afraid of anything going wrong because I know I can feed myself. I know I can make my own medicine, you know. And anyway, I, I started uh, teaching other people and they kept saying, you got to do more and you got to do more. And so we ended up in this whole thing called the Grow Network and tons and tons and tons of products and services related to things that you absolutely need to know when the world is collapsing and things that are really good to know, even if it doesn't, because the existing systems are so corrupt and so toxic. And that fragile, very and fragile. fragile. Yeah. So that's the background. No. So, you know, I just ended up having to figure it all out. And uh, so grateful for that day in Red Rock when that when that meeting, that final one we went to totally failed and, and, and my life changed. Well, you know, there, you know, with failure comes lessons learned. And sometimes, you know, with lessons learned, it becomes a phoenix rising. So that, that that's what happened with you. And so so now you are teaching people. And we have a partnership with cdmfood.com where we're going to teach people, whether they're living in a rural area, an apartment, a house, suburbia, uh, how to become self-sufficient with food. I mean, going through COVID, it should be a wake-up call to people that, the, where we didn't think that the government would ever shut us down. In fact, it was intentional. This was not a mis this was not a mistake. It was intentional at the time. So, Marjorie, let's start with the basics. What would you tell somebody? I mean, let's start with the city. What would you tell somebody who lives in a city? How do how do well, they get started? Right. Well, you know, people often think of me as the garden lady. <laughs> right? you know, garden. I and I'm like, the survival, the, the survivalist. And the survivalist, yes, I definitely have that. And I'm I'm actually very proud of that because that's a that's something that's very important and it's mm -hmm. your fundamental security. Uh but honestly, the easiest and fastest and most productive products that you can grow yourself are animal products. And so I really recommend if you've got a bit of a backyard, the first thing to get started with is a small flock of chickens. Mm. Um, and uh, you're not gonna eat the chickens for meat. And there's a very good reason for that. We'll go into it, but you're going to use them to produce eggs. And so one chicken, one laying hen, and I recommend you get about six of them. One laying hen will, will produce about 250 eggs a year. They, they don't produce 365, they got to take some time off. They need to do a thing called molting where they let go of their feathers for a bit and regrow them. Or if it's just too cold or too hot, they, they're like, we're not doing this, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but about 200, but if you think about it, six hens, 250 eggs, that's 1500 eggs a year. So for you, that's three egg omelets every day for breakfast, plus 33 dozen eggs to give away, trade, barter, sell, you know, or using other food sources. And an egg 
um, you know, we've definitely had our series of narratives and misdirection and whatever around eggs. But you know, you know, you know an egg, right? There's a kind of clear stuff, the slimy stuff, and then there's a, a yellow yolk on the inside. And what it is is when a rooster fertilizes the hen, there'll be a little tiny, if you see a fertilized egg, which is different from the, uh, the commercial ones, there'll be like a little speck there where the genetic material from the rooster meets, meets up with the genetic material from the hen. And the, the, the clear stuff is just mostly a little bit of protein and water. And then that, that yolk is every mineral and macro and micronutrient needed to turn that basically little ball of slime into a chick that has legs and a beak and eyes and a heart and wings and a body and intestines. And it's a full chick that happens in 28 days. And all of everything that that chick needed to be formed was the nutrients that were contained in that yolk. So that yolk and, and, and malnutrition is the elephant in the room in the, in, in the United States, right? People are, we are more severely malnourished in the United States than, than a lot of these African countries that we all feel sorry for with people. And they, and they are having problems. I'm not going to diss that, but Americans are far more malnourished than most of the rest of the world. That's is it because of our, is it because of our consumption of processed foods? It is right. The com commercial agricultural system has no nutrients in it anymore, except for cheap carbohydrates. For example, uh, I just turned 61. And uh, when I was a little girl, my mom gave me a carrot, right, to eat. That's back in the 1960s. In order to get the same nutrition that I would have gotten in one carrot in the 1960s, I would now need to eat 11 carrots. And that's because of the pesticides that we put on the, the crops? It's, it's, well, it's partly the pesticides, but it's got to do with they grow the crops in the same soil over and over again, and they only replace three nutrients. They only replace uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. They're not replacing all the macro, the micronutrients like copper and zinc and selenium and calcium and all the other things that you need for a healthy body. Uh, and that, you know, a plant needs in order to make the, the, the the nutrients in a plant comes from the soil and they basically use that same soil over and over and over again without replenishing it or doing it in any kind of holistic way. There are no nutrients in the soil. So the food they're producing has no nutrients. And yes, they are spraying it with all kinds of toxins. So you have the problem of no nutrients and then you have the problem of loaded toxicity and eating that stuff is, is lethal. So, so, all right. So, so let's say I, I have a backyard. Let's mm -hmm. say I, I get the eggs in the hen. All right. So then, yeah. then what do I do about the vegetables? Yeah. Well, let's, so first of all, you, first of all, let, yeah, let's go into those, those backyard hens again for just a second. Mm -hmm. Like to talk about how fast you can do this, because we're talking about teaching people how to get, produce a lot of food and nutrients very, very, very quickly. Like, you know, we're in a, in a crisis situation, the grocery stores are you know, shut down or whatever. So really all it takes is like a couple of weekends to build a chicken coop and a run. By the way, at that webinar are some plans and designs, and I also have a book, we, you know, we show you how to do that. Uh, then you go on Craigslist and you buy some laying hens or go to a feed store or you know, work around your neighborhood, get, some, get, get your six laying hens. Once you've gotten them settled in, 
you know, it takes them a few days, like just that, that time anybody moves, you get disrupted. But really in just a couple of weeks, you can have one meal a day that's extremely healthy, completely handled. So, you know, I do recommend uh, chickens and, and, there, and for people that um, are in apartments or condominiums, quail, you're not gonna be able to get quite the production, but they're small little birds. And uh, I actually set a girlfriend up with some quail about a year ago, and she has 10 of them, and they produce actually about 10 quail eggs a day, which is equivalent to about maybe two or three chicken eggs. Um, and she has them in her apartment. So there are options for, for, for no matter where you are. Um, yeah, and so now you wanted to go on to the, the next. Well, I just wanted to go on a little bit longer. That, 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 that's good to know. If you're in an apartment, you can do quail eggs. If you're if you've got a backyard, you can do chicken eggs. But I mean, for those people who have never, who you know, might not have a green thumb even for plants. Okay. Yeah. Flowers. Yeah. How how long does it take to? And I know you we have webinars that, that we're going to partnership to push it out for people to learn how to how to live this way because. You know, people sometimes choose to live off the grid, but but now people may be forced to live off the grid, and that's the that's difference. Right. So, yeah. how, how do they get started for vegetables? And and mm -hmm. what are the ones that you would recommend are the easiest to get people, you know, up and running? And how long does it take? And does it make a difference whether you're in Colorado? I mean, if you don't have a greenhouse, how are you going to handle that? Yeah, exactly. So there are a zillion different ways to garden, right? There are lots and lots of different gardening styles and methods. And what I have spent years teaching people, and the easiest one and the best one for a beginner is to use make raised beds. And what you do is take, you know, those cinder blocks that you get from Home Depot. They're 16 inches long, 8 inches tall, 8 inches wide, uh, and you stack them too high. And you make a, a bed that's, uh, you know, maybe 5 feet wide by... 10 feet long and you basically have 50 square feet and then what you do is is buy the best quality soil that you can and put it in that raised bed and uh, that is for beginners that by far is the easiest gardening uh, method possible if you have problems with your back or your knees or whatever you can sit on the cinder blocks and be able to reach into that garden bed to do planting or weeding whatever so it's very very friendly to people who are not as healthy or not as fit. Another thing is the soil is so important. As we said, oh my gosh, I really apologize. These guys in this neighborhood are they're crazy. They love their drag racing. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the price of gas is going to explode here pretty soon and then they should quiet down. <laughs> oh my God. But when the price of gas goes up, the, the sure drag racing will go down. Oh, the ground, but also the food is the possible food is made out of basically. So the price of food is going to skyrocket also. But anyway, um, soil, your soil is so important. And, and and most of us modern people are like, I don't want that in my house. You know, get that. That's dirt. You know, that's dirt or cheaper than dirt or, you know, uh, you know, that's nasty or what, you know, I mean, soil, it's, it's most people just think it's the thing that holds the plant up and nothing could be further from the truth. So what do you what do you recommend in terms of the type of soil people should get? Does it depend on the geographical area? Well, the best thing that you can do is find a regional nursery that organically, and there are different, believe it or not, there's lots of organizations or companies or businesses that that's what they do is they make soil. They take, uh, for example, wood chips and things from tree trimmings and they make soil from it. And I would really recommend you get the highest quality soil you, you can find. 
and, and buy it. If you have the financial resources, buy it, just buy it. It's a huge investment. It will pay you back over and over again. So in the soil, the soil is a living organism and the, the roots of the plant go into the soil and the soil has all kinds of microorganisms that live in it. And those microorganisms turn like a plant can't eat calcium and a plant can't eat zinc or iron or something like that. It depends on the microbes in the soils to break it down and bring it to it. And what the plant does is actually it creates from sunlight and carbon dioxide and water it, which is, it makes carbohydrates, basically sugars, and it feeds the soil microbes. So there's this whole relationship going on with the plants and the soil. And you want to have really as good a rich a soil as you possibly can, because the, the more mineral rich and healthy your soil is, the, the more mineral rich and healthy the production is going to be the tomatoes or the lettuce or the squash or the potatoes or whatever it is you're trying to grow. And, um, just as you know a human being right uh if you have most of the nutrients you need minerals and you're healthy and you're vibrant your immune system is strong you're not going to get sick right uh you know if you have your vitamin d levels high enough up viruses just can't attack you and but those things are all around all the time it's a total fallacy to think that you can put, wear a mask and protect yourself from a virus right there's viruses and bacteria are everywhere all the time it's you how healthy and how strong are you determines whether you get sick or not. And the um, the predators of the plant kingdom are insects. And the same is true of plants. So if your plants are weak and they don't have the right nutrients, they don't, they're stressed for water, they tend to get intact by insects. And on the other hand, if you have really good soil that's mineralized and you keep you know keep it watered properly, you tend to have a lot less insect problems. Okay. So, so that so that, that that brings me to the question. Where do you buy your seeds? Because I know that some of this, Monsanto had bought some seeds and I, I can't remember, it begins with a B, Burby seeds or something like that. Burpee, yeah. Yeah, and then, but then that was 20 years ago. But I mean, how do you know that you're gonna get seeds that haven't been contaminated? You wanna look for probably the smaller seed companies. Um, Johnny's Selected Seeds sells to organic farmers. Mm -hmm. um, there are some others, uh, Botanical Interests is another company. Uh, Bountiful Gardens, uh, Jer Gettelover in uh, Missouri has, um, it's rareseeds.com. I'm trying to remember the name of his company. So there are smaller uh, seed retailers. What you want to look for is either open pollinated or heirloom seeds. And I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend you go buy some seeds for a variety of vegetables that you like to eat. Because I don't know if you remember 2020, but all of the seeds were gone. Like you could not buy any seeds by, you know, June or July. Well, they, they, they it was interesting. I, I was, uh, I live out on the Eastern shore of Maryland and, and <clears throat> I was looking and they, they, they were very, very scarce. So I found that interesting, but, but at the same time, it's good for people to know where to go to get the organic ones. So you're not buying them, you know, at the grocery store, one of those twirly uh, canisters. Yeah, those are, are generally probably not going to be good if they're not GMO, they're hybrid seeds. Right. And you're, you're not going to be able to save the seed and reproduce it year after year when you're buying those kind of seeds. So you do want to get, they're called either open pollinated or heirloom seeds. Um, 
Yeah, the great thing about seeds. Yeah, we will, we will, you know what? We're going to put a list up. I want to get a list from you that we're going to put up that we're going to push these seeds and people buy them from the right people because that's that's probably half the problem right there for some people if they can't they don't think that they've got a black thumb instead of a green thumb. It might be it might have to do with the fact that they're not buying the the right kind of soil and they're not buying the right kind of seeds. Yeah. Yeah. You know Growing food actually is really fairly easy. And it had like all the different red flags and stories and programs. I think humanity, we're gonna spend a couple of generations trying to unwind all the stories and programs that we have been fed for millennium by whoever has been managing our, our, our species for millennium, honestly. We have been absolutely controlled. We're, we're livestock to the, those those entities. Oh, we're served. We're serfs. We're serfs. We're serfs. According, according to them. Well, Marjorie, I want to take a break right now and I want to come back, but I, I want to discuss the CD, CDM food, you know, dot com with you as well as uh, even further steps of how easy it is to get up and going. So we're just going to take a quick break right now. Okay, so we're back with Marjorie Wildcraft, who is uh, going to teach everybody how to survive for the next pandemic, whatever it is, when the grocery stores, food supplies are shut down, wars increase. Uh, God knows what was going to go on with the weather, the climate, the shipping routes. Um, oh, you forgot the financial system. Oh, I mean, the, the, the financial banking system is going to collapse. You know? well, the, the, we all know that the inflation's out of control. We just don't know how far it's going to go up uh, here in the United States because it's- Oh, and, and good old Klaus has promised us a cyber attack and a, and a grid. Oh, yes, we're going to have a grid. Yeah. We're going to have a grid failure, you know, and, and God knows if we're going to be, you know, what did I hear the other day in Argentina? It's something like 4,000% inflation in Argentina. Germany is going out of control. I mean, it's just, it's insanity, but it's almost as if people want to push everybody to the cliff just to turn it into the Hunger Games. But now with you and your direction and education and willpower to tell people how to do this, how long does it take to, how long does it take to get a garden up and a vegetable garden up and going? Well, honestly, similar to the chickens, like, you know, really, you know, building the raised beds, getting the soils and getting some things planted does not take long at all. And actually, you can be producing right away. Like, for, let's take turnips, for example. You broadcast the seeds out. You're going to have a whole bunch come up. You're not going to want to, you know, you're going to need to what we call thin them out. But the ones that you're thinning out are wonderful little sprouts that you can either saute or just eat raw. So, you know, you can be producing fairly quickly with with a garden also your average garden crop you know like uh, tomatoes or broccoli or stuff is about three months but there but as i said you know there are things like so some of the slower ones like the tomatoes and the and the broccoli will plant in between that maybe radishes or something that's like really really a fast producer like the radishes will be going in a month by the way radishes if you boil them like potatoes they lose all that heat and they just become you know, kind of, you know, they lose all the, the that spicy flavor. So you can actually just eat them as a vegetable. So, um, you know, uh, the garden, you're also going to want it. There's a timing for gardens, right? So springtime is about to come up. It's it's about time to do that. Uh, but you can also do this in greenhouses, uh, uh, you know, have your raised beds in greenhouses and be able to do this year round. So um, there are lots and lots of options for ways to grow food. And I, I talked about this a little bit before. It is a total psyop 
that growing food is difficult and that you shouldn't do it. Like you're going to turn into a migrant worker if you start growing food. You know, that's total. We see it. And I was watching a movie with a friend and I, I don't really watch a lot of stuff on Netflix, but you know, she was watching as kind of a way of bonding with her. And, and there was the farmer and he was portrayed as an idiot. And I'm like, of course they portray the farmer like an idiot, you know? Because that's the way they do, you know, through the media, they're programming us. Well, that's that, that's one thing. But Margie, let's get back to so, so the, the webinars that you have when we go we send our audience to cdmfood.com. Mm -hmm. You're going to have webinars that are up there, right? The teaching people, how, walking them through, because that that's another thing is building up people's confidence so that they will learn from the from your failures because you've been doing this for 20 years, the successes and the failures of what works. Can people follow up uh, with those seminars and talk to you? Because, you know, one guy may be from Oklahoma, another person yep. may be from, from, you know, Colorado. Yep. About once a month, we have a live call where I get on and answer questions and engage with people. Also, we have a very active forums with a, a lot of really experienced homesteaders. And I'm in the forums all the time. And if you want to reach out to me, just go at marjoriewildcraft.com and, and uh, I'll get back to you. But we have a lot of really experienced people there that answer questions. Uh, you know, you'll have an answer within within a, just an hour or two on almost anything. You know, upload a picture of that bug or upload a picture of that whatever, and they'll help you out with that. So, yeah. I'm curious. Have you seen since COVID uh, an uptake in the in the interest of doing this this homegrown? Initially, we did, and honestly, the most interesting group are young millennial males are really starting to get into this. Uh, and now we're diffracting into two groups. There are the real group people who really know what's going on in the world, and they're like, "Oh my God!" And they're they're jumping in. And then, but then we did we did see a big drop off of other people who are like, "Eh, you know, life's going back to normal." <laughs> well, you know, there's life goes back to normal, but then it's the definition of normal, and then it's the definition of you know what's changed. I mean, you and I are old enough to know that you know what's going on now is not in the best interest of humanity. I mean, that's that's really clear. Um, what what about um, what do you do for me, poultry? I mean, what so I mean, do you do you? If you, do you dig into that as well, or is it just? I do. Yes. No. Meat is absolutely, and the most nutritious food that you can produce is going to be the organ meats of animals. And I think you may be of the age where our mothers used to feed us liver every Friday, and we hated it. But there is a reason. It is just loaded with, you know, B vitamins, A vitamin A, all kinds of, you know, CoQ10. I mean, it's loaded with with stuff. You would never want to eat the organ meats from a commercially raised animal, but the animals that you raise in your own backyard, you know what they ate and you fed them healthy and clean and their livers are gonna be fine. So meat products again, and I recommend rabbits and there's a huge, people go, why don't you raise chickens? And there's a huge distinction. Chickens are omnivores, right? They eat grain, they eat meat, they eat grass, they eat everything, right? They're kind of like us and in fact, they actually compete with us for different food sources. Like they would love to eat what you eat most of the time. Rabbits are herbivores and they're much easier to feed. So I have them in, in uh, homes on my lawn and I just move their home every day. And that way they're eating the lawn. Uh, I also, you know, grow 
specific trees and different things, you know, tree trimmings and things I give them. They're, they're herbivores, so they eat things that I can't eat, and they turn it into protein and fat. And the other thing is rabbits, well, they breed like the rabbits, you know. <laughs> you can get a lot of them. So... Um, you know, people are a little nervous. They're like, oh, my God, I could never fill the money. You know, I, years, years ago, a friend of mine was was uh, going to be involved with pushing rabbits in the United States as, as an alternative to meat, um, red meat, uh, you know, mm -hmm. with beef. And it was amazing because PETA came after her, you know, um, because it, it was the pets. But the thing is, the nutrients in rabbits is supposed to be very good for, for humans. Rabbits are just about like chicken. I mean, every single chicken recipe you have, you can substitute rabbit for it and it'll be just fine. In fact, there's many times I've fed people, you know, like rabbit enchiladas or something, you know, and I forgot to tell them it was rabbit and they just assumed it was chicken. Mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. You're not going to have to adapt anything and it's delicious. Um, it's and again, you're going to get the things that we, we, we have lost so much of. You're going to get the bones and you can make bone broth, which is actually the foundation of all gourmet cooking, but it's also another really important source of all kinds of nutrients. You're going to get the organ meats, which again, more nutrient density than you can imagine. You know, you, you forget your one a day or whatever supplements you're taking. This is the way that you can really amp up your nutritional intake. Also the feces of the rabbits fertilizes the ground. So you've got, you know, this whole circular uh, thing going on. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. What do, what do you do for dairy products? I, you know, for a back, so I, I just want to say with these, with this system that I've developed, it's, I call it the grow half system, actually, with a, a small 100 square foot garden, a lane flock with six chickens, and then a small rabbitry with a buck and two or three breeding does. That's a lot to get somebody started with those three, right? Right. I've also, of all the different ways to, and yes, there's, you know, ways you can have, you know, a goat or, you know, you can produce all kinds of things. You can produce honey, you can produce mushroom. I mean, there's a, a gazillion things you can do. Of all the different things you can do, those three, the gardens, the rabbits, and the chickens are the easiest and fastest for the average person who doesn't know anything to get started. And honestly, I go through in that webinar, I go through the amount of calories and the servings and the nutrition, and I show you that those three components in a backyard size space can produce half of the food for an adult person. And you're only going to use about 30 minutes a day. Wow. So those generate the most nutrition and calories in the shortest amount of time. And, and yeah, and then after, you know, after you've gotten half under your belt, well, yeah, you know, go crazy. Like, you know, yeah, you know, there's all kinds of cannabis, you know, like there's all kinds of wonderful things. Everything you could possibly want, you can grow, you know, and it's going to be so much more so fantastic. Did you, did your, as, as you did this in the last 20 years, your confidence must have gone up. I mean, it, it, at the beginning, did you make mistakes and, and just keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But mm -hmm. now, you know, I've been growing half of my own food for, for years. And actually, I've taught thousands and thousands of people to do that. And it's, you know, like, oh, yeah, this makes a, a ton of sense. Everything from little kids, I used to teach it at school, to elders, you know, uh, you know, everybody. It's very simple system. And once you've got half, and the other great thing about this system is it's very easily replicatable. So, you know, when the in-laws show up and they thought you were nuts, but they're like, hey, we're starving. You're like, okay, well, we're going to build another chicken coop. We're going to build some more rabbit homes. We're going to get another garden going. 
and this is what you do, right? And you will be able to show them and teach them. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's a very simple thing. Uh, and it, it is super empowering. It's super empowering. Do you, do you get into canning? Yes, I do. Absolutely. And, and food preservation, that's a whole nother piece of what, what we have available at the Grow Network because you are going to want to preserve food, especially if you live, well, if you live anywhere, right? You know, you really right. need to have a good year of backup food supply no matter, no matter where you are, just because you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is fascinating. And I think it's a fascinating partnership with you because I, I do believe that um, people need to be prepared. It needs to be prepared um, because I think there we go. We're competing with the drag racers. Uh, so, but at the same time, people really need to be prepared for something that's unexpected because yeah. we're being told it may not be a, another pandemic, but it might be something different like a grid. They've promised so many Saying honestly, from my looking in, and remember, I used to be a professional investor, like I used to manage money. And, and to me, I just cannot see how the banking system is going to make it through this year. And when the banking system shuts down, that's like your credit card doesn't work. Everything stops. Everything stops. You know, commerce stops. You aren't going to be able to buy. Well, it's, it's, you know, I, I really thought that Western civilization was going to get their heads out of cement when, um, uh, Trudeau and Freeland froze the Canadian bank. I, I really, I really thought that that would wake up a lot of people, but unfortunately, it didn't. And then we did a, um, I did several, we did several interviews with um, some United employees working for United Airlines, and some of them applied for religious exemptions for the COVID shots. Uh, in the fall of 2021, and they, even though that they were accepted, their religious exemptions were accepted, they were immediately put on uh, indefinite unpaid leave. They had no access to their health insurance, their life insurance, most importantly, their 401k, even if it was for financial hardship. And then they were not invited back to the airlines until March of 2022. So it's not just Canada that was freezing people from their money. It was also United Airlines. And they didn't do it for every single employee. It was only for those United Airlines employees that were based in the United States. So it was a discrepancy, you know, in their policy universally. So, I mean, if you, if you work for United in Dubai or Paris, you know, this is not what you had to go through, but it's what they had to go through here in the United States. And that was shocking to people. And I heard just the other day also that an NBA referee for 37 years, you know, he didn't get at, he was, he, because he refused to take the shots, he was terminated, he sued, and then he couldn't get access to his pension because he might be reinstated if he wins the case. I mean, this is crazy stuff, playing with people's money. Yeah, and people need to learn how to survive because it's very much like banks at this point in time. We don't yeah, know. Right. What's yeah. Well, the, the U.S. banking system right now is has a trillion dollars of unrealized losses. And that's because of the interest rates going up and all the bonds they hold have lost so much value. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just it's you know, they're being kept afloat by the Fed who continues to create more money, which is causing inflation. And it really, it, we really are on the verge of collapse. It's not like, 
if it's just a matter of when like right. really it, it literally could be weeks from now i mean really it, it just could be so um well, I'm delighted that you're willing to teach our audience how to survive because that's, you know, that's why we're in the news business. We have to take people to the next step around the next corner, even if they haven't turned that corner so that they know that there's hope out there. So Marjorie, uh, we're going to have you back. And I want, as we get into this, but again, it's cdmfood.com and Marjorie is going to teach people how to survive as she has for over 20 years, been teaching other people and, and learning the ups and downs. And the value of this is that you've made the mistakes and you know, it works. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Christine. I appreciate yeah. you. Is there is there anything else you want to tell our audience? Absolutely. So that fateful night in Red Rock when when my life, I, I really was literally going through this shaking traumatic thing. I am so grateful that that happened. And you too, when you start growing food and you look back a couple of years later, you'll go, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it is such a fulfilling lifestyle. And it, it you know, the not only just eating the high quality products but for you know growing them it's so healthy and so beneficial and it you you're, you're using your hands working directly with forces of creation and magic and spirit including drag racers but i i am so grateful i mean even if we weren't having the end of the world as we know it i would always be growing my own food it's just so amazing and so wonderful and you're going to love it <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to hear that, Marjorie. I really am. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to have you back. And again, folks, cdmfood.com. Um, Marjorie Wildcraft is going to teach you how to live off the grid and don't worry about those those inflationary grocery prices. And, um, you know, you might even enjoy it and have some fun. That's the most important thing, learning how to be self-sufficient and having fun. Thank you, Marjorie. Uh, thank you, Christine.